0: Welcome to Divorce Explained, the podcast where we answer your questions and navigate the process of divorce together. Sharing real stories and personal experiences, this is your guide through it all. With your hosts, family law specialist Steve Benmore and divorce lawyer and strategist Leanne Townsend.
1: Predatory marriages. Yeah,
0: I think it's an interesting topic. I, I like the, the term.
1: The predatory marriage, must be a movie. It sounds like a movie. A movie or a book, but it's real. It's a thriller. um, It would be a thriller if it's (laughs) But it's a real, it's a real serious social uh, and legal concern. Um, And let me lead up to it by saying, when I was the head of the family law section at the Ontario Bar Association, um, I was consulted by some lawyers over the time that I was there uh, to discuss... um, the interplay between elder law and family law. And it came in, in situations that we're about to talk about, the concept of a predatory marriage, which then led me to apply to the OBA to open up and create And what we did. We actually I, I created a new section of law at the, uh, at the Bar Association called Elder Law. And one of the topics that we dealt with and is currently still the subject of law reform is predatory marriages. What's a predatory marriage? See, you got to understand what is the legal impact of marriage to be able to understand what is a predatory marriage. So for for our viewers, when two people marry, by virtue of them getting married, they bestow upon one another a body of legal rights just by virtue of marriage. So you could own property, your partner could own property, but by virtue of marriage, now both properties become family property. And so therefore, each side gets to enjoy half of the rise in the value over the course of the marriage, which law does not apply to common law spouses. And we talked about that about a month or two ago. The other thing that comes from marriage is there's an automatic right of uh, spousal support. The question then becomes, is there an entitlement? Is What's the duration? What's the quantum? But marriage creates the avenue to spousal support. And then lastly, the right to the matrimonial home. You might not only be married six months or a year or two years, but each spouse is entitled to a 50% interest in the equity in the matrimonial home by virtue of marriage. So then think about the scenario where An older person is living in a nursing home and the children live in another province. And the children arranged for the parent to be in the nursing home. They've even arranged for a caregiver who visits the person five days a week, Monday to Friday, from nine to five to make sure that uh, they're eating, that their clothes are properly cleaned, their teeth are brushed and so forth. And then they find out that their older parent got married to the caregiver. And then the caregiver is by the side of the elder parent. And then at some point, either the person deteriorates and becomes incompetent or otherwise passes away. And then the caregiver is entitled to all of these rights, the rights to property, the rights to support. Um, And then the children come out and say, wait a minute, this was just the caregiver. How did this caregiver become a wife? or a husband, and that is the situation called a predatory marriage. And I can honestly say that I have not had one in my practice, but in Ontario, we've had a couple cases in the courts, and and for the most part, these are tough cases to prove. And we'll get to that in a minute, but uh, I wanted to hear what your thoughts are on the subject of the predatory marriage, Leanne.
0: Um, well, like you, Steve, I have not had one in my practice, although um, I have, you know, in my social circles and whatnot, I have come across people who feel that, you know, their um, elderly parent may have found themselves in a situation like this. Um, you know, and I think I, I'm interested to know, because until you, gave, you we came up, you were mentioned this was a topic for our, one of our lives, and I loved it when you suggested it. I had not actually heard that specific term applied. Um, I think it's a perfect term. But I, I am wondering, like, is that an actual, like, has that, has that been a legal term? Like, I don't mean in terms of obviously there's not a legal definition, but well, maybe there is. Um, but is this a term that's been used in courts um, and amongst the, the bar to describe this type of um, marriage? Or was this just a great term that you came up with? No,
1: it's definitely not my term. It's an American term. <laughs> Uh, It has been coined in the U.S., much like in other parts of family law. We have terms such as, um, um, for example, um, parental alienation, right? Uh, For many, many years, one parent has been causing a rift between the child and the other parent. But we didn't use the word rift before. We just described the situation that he or she is causing the children to question their love for the father or the mother. But then along came the term parental alienation. So again, an American term. uh, And similarly, the term predatory marriage is an American term adopted here in Canada. Has it found its way into any case law? Not that I'm aware of. Even the cases that I have read have not used the term predatory marriage. Um, We use it as a shortcut to describe a situation where the younger spouse takes advantage of the frailty of the older spouse, usually that begins from a caregiving relationship. And so with those factors in mind, it has been given the, frame, the phraseology of a predatory marriage. And it's probably
0: important, like it's different, it sounds like, you know, we always hear the situations like a gold digger, that term, you know, where there's like a younger spouse who, you know, seeks out, um, you know, an older married, not, uh, sorry, an older male or female Um, and, you know, gets, you know, convinces them to marry them, and, you know, the family may think this person doesn't love them, isn't interested in them, only is after their money, but that's not, it sounds like that wouldn't qualify as what we're talking about here today, because the person is not elderly and unwell and needing a caregiver and that sort of thing.
1: You know, the 55-year-old male who's very financially secure and successful, who dates the 25-year-old woman, who might be considered a gold digger, and he might be a guy that rocks the cradle, That is not a predatory marriage. That's a situation where they're both making choices. Some might not agree with it, some might judge it, but that is not a predatory marriage. A predatory marriage is where a person is preyed upon by the younger, more astute person, and the older person does not have the wherewithal, emotionally and intellectually, to recognize what might happen if he or she attends City Hall and enters into a marriage license with their caregiver or their friend or their neighbor. And the person who is taking them to city hall or bringing a marriage officer into the nursing home or hospital or whatever it is, knows full well, the act of marriage will bestow upon them significant financial benefits. And it's that predatory behavior, that praying behavior that causes us to have this concept called a predatory marriage. No. Yeah, so
0: it's, a, so it's premeditated and very, you know, it's manipulative. And I would guess as well that um, it could involve, you know, potentially somebody in another country. I mean, we do hear these situations of, you know, someone who's mm-hmm. over in a poorer country who maybe befriends an elderly, isolated person online and, you know, ends up getting sponsored to come over and marry them. I I, I mean, I think that might qualify as one of these types of situations as well. I have
1: had those cases. I have had broad marriages. Yeah. Um, So that's, again, slightly different because there's no cognitive disability or cognitive impairment. Now, this is really important for our viewers. The threshold, The mental capacity to enter into a contract is different than the mental capacity to write a will or a power of attorney. The mental capacity to marry is found at law to be lower than the needed capacity to enter into a contract or to write, sign, a will or a power of attorney. And this is really important to understand. If an older person is mentally incapable of signing a will or a power of attorney, they could still have the mental capacity at law to enter into marriage. So along come the adult children and say, wait a minute, how could my 85 year old father have decided to marry his 35 year old caregiver? He didn't have the capacity to write a will or a power of attorney. And so therefore, if you didn't have that capacity, I could have the capacity to marry, which effectively divests him of significant assets in his estate. And the law says that you can actually marry with a diminished mental capacity. And that's precisely the problem with predatory marriages, because a lot of these elderly people that are in nursing homes have provided power of attorney to their adult children to make all of the necessary decisions for their health care or their financial lives. But that person still has the capacity to marry. And so that is where the law is. The law for the adult children who are trying to disqualify and to negate that marriage, the onus is on them to prove to a judge on a balance of probabilities that the elderly parent parent, did not have the mental, the, the, the low threshold mental capacity to marry. And that's a tough one because in these cases, and I've read them, in these cases, the caregiver will say, he told me he loved me. He said he wanted to marry me. And there's nobody else in the room to disprove that. And then along comes the marriage officer and says, all I know was they both were there. I asked him if he agreed to accept him as as his wife and vice versa, he said yes. And I had no reason to disbelieve him, and then the caregiver brings other people from the nursing home to court, and they would say yes, they used she pushed his she pushed his wheelchair and he would pat her on the hand. it looked like she loved him and he loved her and so that is why these cases are so hard fought because there's a lot of money at stake, and it's factually driven where there's very little evidence other than the elderly person who may or may not still be alive and the caregiver.
0: No, and and the complicating factor, of course, is that there are, you know, some families out there where there is a, a, a very wealthy elderly parent who perhaps, you know, for years was somewhat estranged from their children, did not have a good relationship with their their adult children, and you know when the adult children you know see that this has happened, they may themselves be making a claim about the marriage that perhaps isn't true. Maybe this caregiver, you know a- and their parent really did love each other, and it was a genuine relationship, and this you know the children basically were never coming to visit their parent and had little to do with them, but were waiting for them to die to get some money so you know they're infuriated that this you know person has come into their parents life late in life and you know perhaps wasn't I say a very loving spouse and maybe the relationship is very genuine but they're being accused of it not being because you have adult children who want to get money as well so it it definitely is a complicated um you know situation and i would you know very hard i think for the adult children to to really prove
1: And again, for the benefit of our viewers, back to the legality of it. So as many of our viewers heard me say this before, when you separate from your husband or your wife, your will does not end. So if somebody splits up, that will that they may have signed, the power of attorney that they may have signed before when they were still together, remains valid and binding, even though they separate and divorce separation and divorce do not end a will or a power of attorney. However, marriage does. So an elderly person could actually have a will and powers of attorney. The act of marriage invalidates the will, which therefore means that upon death, they die intestate, which basically means they die without a will. What does that mean? Under current estates law, the surviving spouse gets a disproportionate amount of the estate, and the balance is then divided with the children, which effectively means that the caregiver spouse inherits most of the estate simply by the act of going to city hall and getting married. And that's why this is so difficult. Now, having said that, the estates law bar and the elder law bar has been lobbying the government to make changes. And there were changes that were implemented uh, just in 2021 with respect to this. And I'm not an estates or an elder law specialist, so I'm not gonna comment on it. But the subject matter of predatory marriages is a live issue. And our current Attorney General Downey has turned his attention to it and is addressing the very subject of predatory marriages. And we will see Uh, more clear case law and certainly more clear statutory law on the subject in order to protect people, which, by the way, one would say, well, hold on, who are we protecting? Are we protecting the elderly person? Well, the elderly person may very well will this outcome. Maybe they want their caregiver to get the, the majority of their estate. Are they protecting the caregiver? Maybe the caregiver gave the best years of her life to the elderly person, and maybe they should be entitled to part of the estate. Are they protecting the adult children? Well, where were they? Maybe they were out of state. Maybe they were out of province. Maybe they relied on the caregiver to be the one responsible. Maybe she didn't get paid for her caregiving services because she felt she was now a spouse. So you could see how this can get very, very messy, very murky. Yeah. So how can you and I, Steve, um, you
0: know, if, how can, can we help people, um, you know, be, protect themselves or protect their parent um, from being in one of these situations? Um, you know, if somebody who's out there listening um, has perhaps an elderly spouse who, you know, is, is in a home and there is a caregiver who is close to them. How do, how do they protect protect the situation from you know, that?
1: There's, there's not one size fits all, but I've been asked that question before and I'm going to give some of the answers that I've given in the past. Number one is when you've got a parent living on their own or living in a nursing home, be very present. Visit, check in, install cameras, do whatever is needed to be done in order to remain live and present in their lives. And that's not just in terms of legal protection, that's also good moral advice in terms of appreciating and celebrating the life that was given to you by your father or your mother. But point number two is if there is a caregiver, make sure that he or she is under contract. That way it cannot be confused what that person's role was there. If they're under contract, if they're getting a wage, it would be very hard for that caregiver to argue that she or he was a spouse while also collecting a wage paid for by the adult children or by the mother or father's estate. Number three, be very well aware of the people that are surrounding the elderly parent, whether it's at home or in a nursing home, and check in on them. Find out what's going on. What do they see? Um, And of course, lastly, ask the caregiver straight up. Has there been any discussion of marriage? And if the caregiver lies, that builds the case of fraud. So those are just some tips, not all the tips, but some tips.
0: You know, and and I think they're they're great ones, and I think you know the first one is probably the most helpful. If you're in, you know, in as as your parent was involved in your life when you were a child, you know, when they maybe need you more in later life, it's if you can be involved in their life and know what's going on and know who who they see and and you know have regular contact with them, then I think it much very much increases the chances that you're going to know what's going on in in their life and where their heads at and you know, something as surprising as this is less likely to happen without your knowledge about it?
1: Listen, end of life planning in many respects has similarities to the beginning of life planning. Mm -hmm. You know, the children, the young children, they're vulnerable. They require their parents' protection. The elderly parents, they're vulnerable. They need their adult children's protection. And so there are threats in the world, children, and there are threats in the world elderly people and we the sandwich generation that's our task is to ensure that our little ones and our older ones are well cared for loved and protected
0: well on that note um i think we should can wrap up today's uh topic and thanks to our listeners for joining in thanks steve again for all your wisdom and look forward to chatting again next week
1: be well take care everybody
0: bye Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Divorce Explained. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to head on over to Instagram and follow at Steve Benmore and at Leanne Townsend Life for more. And if you're looking for specific divorce services, you can visit benmore.com and leannetownsend.ca. We hope today's episode made you feel informed and inspired as you move along through your divorce journey. Tune in next week for Divorce Explained.